0: Jeff it is Friday afternoon you're probably done for the week it's 2 45 where you're at so you're yeah you're and you know done. we
1: work we work bankers hours you know I mean no we don't there's people listening of course I'm of course I'm paying attention of course I'm working
0: but it's like it's, it's five five actually Eastern, it, the financial it's actually world. Friday
1: evening you mean it's 5 30 mountain time
0: right yeah, definitely. Well, Eastern, right?
1: And, and, no, in New York, no,
0: no. actually, London. You you work the bank, the London bankers' hours.
1: Ah, there we go. That's it. It's something. I don't know. It's Friday. It's been, dude. It's been one long week. If it's one of those weeks that, I I say this when people ask me, like, hey, how's your day going? How's your Friday going? I say this if people don't like the it always hits their ears a little bit weird. Like maybe it isn't as clear of a joke as I think it is. But I always say, Ugh, Oh my gosh, it feels like next Friday.
0: I get that. Like you're happy for the weekend, but it feels like you've been working for two straight weeks. Yeah.
1: Like it feels like this week has been so long it's actually next week. To me, that feels like a very um. Educated joke, you know, like you got to think about it. Yeah. But every time I every time I say it, it hits people's ears a little bit weird, and they don't quite get it. So maybe it's not as funny. I mean, it's not funny, but maybe it's not as witty as I think it is.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think it's witty. I like it. I can dig Felt, it. Felt witty. I don't um,
1: know. Man
0: so uh, it's it, been two
1: weeks since you've been here we did the logan show kind of spur of the moment last week and yeah. i forgot to say anything to you about it sorry
0: oh, well it's fine it was i mean we yeah the last week has been very long for me as well i accidentally yeah i, I made a couple uh couple things and you know, trying to move things around and do some spring a little bit of Fall cleaning, I guess not spring cleaning. Yeah. And uh, accidentally broke some things that have taken almost an entire week to fix. So that is Ooh. never, never you break? a good thing. Uh, well, it should have worked. So I just broke, you know, all of the stuff that like all of our stuff that's set to copy our data into the centralized oh. warehouse. Oh, so you mean that, work things? Yeah, like work broke things, Ooh, and yeah, which yeah. is dumb because they it documentation had it said like, oh, if you need to move it, then you can just copy it into the new place, and then turn it on again, and it'll just pick up where it left off. Mm-hmm. It did not pick up where it left off, and so now I've had to redo all, resync everything, which has taken multiple days because there's so much of it, and it burned through a shiz load of our credits that we had so it was very expensive so now and then I have to get sent out a whole bunch of emails of like hey uh this didn't work so I want to refund like we ain't paying for the like thousands of dollars that we just incurred on your platform because your documentation said this would work and it didn't right. so that, that's been my fun fun day um but you know it's here it is Friday like you said and it really I actually say we don't. I have an agenda of things of I think we should talk about, but I'm going to, and it, it's not going to really be related to BYU, but it's going Ooh. to be to college football at large because okay. "mum" is the word out of training camp right now. It's like, so it's,
1: lame. Like we all know what's happening with realignment, and and the like. There's pros and cons, right? We know what the cons are. We've talked about them ad nauseum on this show. It feels like the fact that, I guess, campuses, conferences, you know, individual schools, whatever, that feels more detrimental to the excitement of college football than realignment. Like, mm-hmm. nobody knows what's happening at campus. It's all like, I mean, we, we, we could talk specifically about BYU, but pick a school, you know, along the Wasatch Front, they're all the same. Most schools are the same. You have no idea who's hurt, who's looking good. It's all this like big mystery. And it's the dumbest thing to me because once the game, once game one rolls around, everybody knows anyways, right. It only takes, and it's not like, you know, it's not, I don't know. It's not like BYU will use them as the example. BYU doesn't have the ability to just like completely hide some difference maker like that was added from the transfer portal and we're gonna debut that hey by the way alongside uh puka nakua is jordan addison so good luck usf like that's not how this works so even if it's okay it's a wrinkle in the offense a new formation you don't run the same formation all game long you run it once or twice, you know, two or three times a game, you're gonna run these trick plays, these new wrinkles. So what are we hiding? It well, and even then, the coaches that long to like see it twice on the field and go like, hey, when they line up like this, turns out this is what they're doing. Maybe watch out for this on some misdirection.
0: Well, and that's what even too with Arod's whole offense is. There's not a the whole offense is built around misdirection, so there's not a ton of plays. Like relative to the number of looks that you have, there's very few number of plays and everything is like, okay, we'll do this, but have this person go in motion, like line up this way, move this person over. Like everything is built around motion. Like you're doing the same thing out of 10 different formations because you don't, the whole point of like, of most modern offenses is like, you're not like, you don't confuse things by doing a ton of different things. It's just, you change the way you start even though you're doing the same thing. So that way the defense, it's like, well, I don't know, have I seen this before? Like you, you're just clouding what you think you see, right? It's not like, it's like, oh, every time they line up in an I formation, like this is what they're doing. They're running off tackle, like, because you may run off tackle with the same blocking 12 different times. But if it's, you do it out of seven different formations and run the same exact blocking, yeah. It doesn't matter. Like it, you still have to consider different things and that's all offenses are. So it's yeah, I don't get it. There are and, a few And coaches... on
1: defense, it's even worse. Like what, what can you do to mask what they did last year other than maybe send an extra guy on a blitz here and there, but like, you're not going to show that like crazy. Like you don't have to like open up all of your practices, but just think about this, Garrett. Like this is what media has access to. Media has access twice a week. For 20 minute viewing periods that are typically getting cut short right it's usually a 20 minute viewing period but like they're slow to get going on it and they end it early so it's like a 13 14 minute viewing period and then they get to have interviews with the guys that byu has like handpicked of who you're going to go interview we haven't met this like since i published this article last week but byu and this is everywhere. We're singling out BYU because we're a BYU show, but like the Utah Jazz are doing this. Everybody's doing this. They are killing like the need. I'm not not the need like we have a need as a society for local journalism. That's not what we're talking about. But they're killing the the work for beat writers, for journalists. I I sat down to write an article last week. 2 weeks ago? I can't remember. I sat down ready to write some sort of a practice recap. And I haven't done very many practice recaps on 24-7 this year because there's nothing to write. By the time I started to write this article, BYU had already published all the quotes. They'd published the videos. There's nothing else that I could say. And it's, I don't know, it's really, really upsetting to see that this is the direction that things are going. And it feels counterintuitive to the actual product. Like, wouldn't you think that more exposure for your product is a good thing that creates and generates you know more hype more excitement for your product it's it's almost as if you know you have a widget right we're selling whatever we're selling but we only want to market specifically on am radio if there's some blog that wants to pick up a do a feature on our product our widget No, 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 no. We're not going to do that. If there are, uh, you know, billboard companies that reach out and are like, wow, we think your stuff's really cool. We want to give you free billboards to to put your product all over the freeways up and down Utah. Uh, No, no, we're we're specifically an AM radio widget company.
0: It's insanity. It it is insanity. And I just want to, as a proud uh, season ticket holder for the Arizona Wildcats, I want to point out that Jed Fish, does it the way it should be done yeah he's open so they what they are doing and i think this is totally reasonable so the first two weeks of practice are open well i guess so the first week of practice 10 days was open so practice so camp started for everyone on like wednesday august 3rd or whatever right so every practice between wednesday august 3rd and then last sunday on the 14th was open to the public so the and then last saturday they had a scrimmage that was also open to the public then you couldn't go to practice this week but you could they well there was more media availability but then on tomorrow night they're having at 6:30 p.m. kicking off a full on mock game with like intros like the whole ordeal of a like running through what a game day is like that is free and open to people and then everything after that is locked down like the camp portion of camp your install portion was open like the first few days where you're not really doing anything but you're like not even in full pads make that completely open to the public the second week it's a little less open and then now okay after tomorrow camp is going to close and you're going to move into game prep and start focusing on your season opener and that is like that obviously yeah then you're getting into like okay well we don't want to show during the game what we're actually going to do versus our week one opponent okay that's fine like that makes sense but come on give us the first two weeks when you're just getting into the group things yeah but give us something to scratch the itch
1: yeah it's it's i don't know it's very weird for me and it's very much a selfish fan problem i understand why coaches do it the way they do it i just think it's
0: stupid i mean i don't even understand because like it didn't help arizona last year or it didn't you know it didn't it didn't really help anybody who played Arizona that their fans were open that somebody snuck down in there in Tucson and took some film because really after week one it doesn't matter because it's already on film anyway so that's why I think if you are going to do it winning
1: games is execution anyways right yeah like Like, go play
0: better and so that's why I think like do the first two weeks open and then shut it down and say okay now we are treating it as if we're in season whatever like we're doing team specific stuff for USF starting you know next Wednesday so after that it's going to get tightened down but other than that it's pretty open like I do not get why they don't do that but it's that is my frustration too because I truly don't think that it's going to I just truly don't think it's going to make a tangible difference on the field yeah because even if you know what they're going to do if there is a tendency that is like oh they can pick up like that is tangible enough for them to pick up on it then that's your fault as a play caller One, and that's not going to matter who you're playing against. And two, if you have like, if you're going to put talking about like, oh, I don't want to see any trick plays, just put those in on one of the days that you're not having people there. Like you're not having people there every single day. Just you only need, how many days do you need to practice your three trick plays that you're going to put in the first half of the season?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So I don't, I don't get it. It seems like it's a weird thing, especially when it's, you could be honestly, like you could be charging money make money. they like, could
1: be charging money. BYU, if they were open right now, they would be, I mean, let's just look locally, right? If BYU was open, they were allowing fans, they had open media access, they would be commanding the storylines. Like it would not, nobody would be talking about Utah because you couldn't talk about Utah. There wouldn't be anything to talk about. BYU would dominate the media cycles for the next, still two more weeks, for the month of August. It would be BYU, BYU, BYU. Or, conversely, Utah, 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 right? Whoever. But nobody's doing it. And so instead, we're not talking about anything. It's really upsetting. I do have something to say. Say Not about this. It's an ad. It's not an ad. We're not real ads. You know, like, we don't have an ad shop. But this is kind of an ad. I don't have a read or anything. This is straight from my heart. Uh, But we are officially gab affiliate marketers now
0: the officially of officials
1: oh yeah it's official official i have an account i have a portal like we're 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 legit we're we're set up gab wireless is awesome if you don't know what gab is i i would be very surprised uh but if you don't it's a cell phone for kids smartwatches and cell phones for kids uh i think we've all seen society like we all know the benefits of of having a phone being able to get a hold of your kids uh you know schools are having to go on lockdowns and things like that right and and you want to be able to get in touch with your kids uh but the risks of giving a eight-year-old kid access to the internet are also very well known right there's a lot of risk there gab's figured it out gab is Safely allowing kids access to smartphones, allowing parents to give their kids devices. I gave my kids two smartwatches, not two. I gave two of my kids a smartwatch. This was just a couple of weeks ago. And and, and the way that it works is we program who they can talk to. Like they can't add their own contacts. They can only talk to mom, dad, grandpa, and one friend. And And... We, we limit it that way. They can't go and just surf the internet, but they can talk. They could text. My kids are eight and six years old. Like They don't need a ton, right? And it's been nice because is they're at school or is they're at their friend's house wandering around the neighborhood like my kids like to do, I always know where they are. I can always get in touch with them. That's great. And it's because it's hard, right? When I was a kid, you could call, hey, so-and-so's mom at the house and she'd answer the phone, but nobody has nobody has house phones anymore. There's not a phone book. Right. You kind of have to be able to call your kids. So that's been nice. But the coolest part is I've been able to text back and forth with my eight year old and my six year old. It's fun. It's obnoxious, you know, like they're not, they don't have the the phone etiquette of an adult, but it's been fun. And I have actually felt a tangible difference in the relationship that I have with those two children because we've been able to communicate more while I'm at work or throughout the day or, or whatever. It's been a lot of fun. So, Gab Wireless, if you use promo code, Give them hell, Brigham. Nope. Promo code G E H B that stands for Give them hell, Brigham. Then you will get an additional fifty dollars off per device, on top of whatever other sale they have going on. They have lots of promotions all the time. Uh, I think for the next like next few days is all, but the next few days it's fifty percent off all of new equipment as a back to school sale. You can tack on G H B and get an additional fifty bucks off. Gab Wireless. It's great. So go, 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 go we do did it. Have, have
0: We did have we we did have one of uh one of our s- subscribers uh did reach out talk to me after we announced this on the Discord and said hey uh just so you know he said I, uh, I you know he has a private equity investment he has a stake in Gap so he said please wow. everybody go go buy as many phones as you can yeah well there you we go As we make money he makes money and we're all about spreading the love here so. The, yes, no, I did look into it, sadly. Uh, I think my kid we're just a little too young. It's because they're the size, the watch is the size of an Apple watch. You're like, yeah. like there is, it's not smaller. It's not like a, a little like midget. So if you have toddlers, like your kids probably got to be like, at least in like kindergarten or first grade to be big. Yeah, in. I
1: didn't, I didn't do it for my three-year-old who's turning four in a couple of weeks because of that. But my six-year-old who's in first grade and my eight-year-old who's in third grade, perfect.
0: Yeah, so- yeah it, it, someday but they so yes go by again that's gapwireless.com and then or gap.com whatever it is um and the website and the promo code GEHB um so what i wanted to talk about today is what are teams so CFB at large what are teams that you think will be underrated or like teams that we should watch. And we did this last year. I, I wrote an article, it was like my five teams to watch and Tulane was my number one because they had Michael Pratt coming back at QB and it was gonna be, um, you know, it was Willie Fritz's like, Fourth year there, and they'd gone to a bowl game the year before, whatever. And then week one, their game got moved from New Orleans to Norman, and then they mm-hmm. almost knocked off Oklahoma, and it was like, "Oh man, I call this." And then they fell apart. And they only won like two games all season, <laughs> but they. So it was it was not good. um But I did call it the UTSA, definitely a team to watch, and that that one I did get right. So um how I get with this? So I guess turn out who are your teams that you think should watch, and so we will go through. Every conference, okay. We're going to go through every conference here. And we're doing say, this right now, today. Yeah, just shooting from the hip, like as the okay. casual fan, you know, this Great. is just on the spot. I have not thought about this at all. I literally pulled this out of my ass right as we turned on the camera. Okay. Um, so, the team that you think will be fun to watch, maybe not be the best, but will be fun to watch. Okay. Pick one from each conference, okay. And so we will start. Uh, let's start with the G6. So, first up, Pack 12. Uh,
1: I don't know, man. Like the the Pac-12, the the easy answer is USC because it's Lincoln Riley, it's Caleb Williams, and it's new. But everybody's gonna be watching USC, so I feel like we need a deeper cut than USC. Uh, so the team that maybe I'm most intrigued by this year, they're not gonna be the best, but the absolute shit show that is Arizona State is the school that I want to see. Like they only had. Coming out of spring ball, they had like 54 scholarship
0: players. Yeah, I can't remember. Everybody left the portal. They had a ton, a ton of dudes in the portal. The
1: the rule change that happened a month or so, a month and a half ago, that allowed teams to sign more than 25 guys to a recruiting class, so long as they don't exceed the 85 scholarship limit, that was because of Arizona State, because they didn't have enough guys to fill up their 85, even come close to filling up their 85-man uh, roster.
0: How many Arizona State? So
1: transfer. I think they have since figured it out a little bit. They've added their new class, uh, their 2022 recruiting class, added a bunch of guys out of the transfer portal. So I think they figured it out and they're
0: close. So they, yeah, Arizona lost. So they had 17 scholarship players hit the portal. And then they had four guys get drafted and four guys who also left in as undrafted free agents. So they had literally 25 guys. That were not
1: graduation, like 25 guys who left early. Yeah. Which is insanity. So I think I probably have to go with ASU. I think they're going to be a dumpster fire, but they're going to be a really fun dumpster fire to watch. Herm Edwards is a joke, and I'm excited to see how that plays out.
0: I think it feels similar about the – I feel like the Pac-12 is just kind of like it's it's like, okay, Chip Kelly, it's kind of like the – if he doesn't get it done this year, UCLA is probably going to try to fire him if they can find the money to. USC, again, I kind of agree with you. Like it feels like a bit of a cop-out. It feels like a bit of a cop-out with that and having, you know, all eyes nationally are going to be on them. I mean, I'm I'm excited to watch them, but that's not like my – that's not my degenerate level wanting to watch Mm-hmm. I mean like Wazoo don't care about Oregon Oregon State don't care about although I do think the Oregon State's offense is going to be pretty fun to watch um if you manage to catch them when they're not on the Pac-12 network so you'll have like two chances to watch them <laughs> no. circle it um and obviously this is my, my bias but I am excited, truly circle it <laughs> um, I am truly am excited to see just what Arizona does with Jaden Delora just because like <laughs> when Jed Fish got hired, literally every single writer in the country was like, this is an F hire. This dude has not been in college football forever. He hasn't like done anything. Like why this is just because he was like a family friend of the athletic directors. The only reason he got hired and which is all true. And then they only won one game last year. They lost to FCS Northern Arizona for the first time since like 1932 or whatever. It's like, Truly, an embarrassing season, but you went out and got a pretty damn good quarterback, and they, so they one, had a lot of talent. They added a lot of talent to their roster. They added a receiver who had like twelve hundred yards at UTEP last year. He transferred in, so they had a, a decent number of transfers. They pulled in the like number three recruiting class in the uh let's see, twenty four seven. Yeah, Oops. they were
1: sh- they were shelling out the NIL money for sure. I mean,
0: they must is uh, all the Circle Ks or something. Um, so yeah. the in the Pac twelve. So the Pac-12 recruiting rankings this year, Oregon was number one, Stanford was number two, Arizona's number three. So, and their average commit rate, they got five, four stars and their average commit was an 87. So they, they brought in a lot of talent. They had how many transfers did they, they had nine transfers that came in. Um, so, and all of them were forced all of the transfers that they had were four star players in high school except for the receiver who transferred from UTEP it was a two star kid but he went to UTEP and had like 2000 yard seasons and then he transferred so it's like yeah. they brought in a ton of they brought in a ton of talent and I've to think jaden delora is like obviously he's a good quarterback he can do it so it's i'm curious to see just what they can do and honestly it's like i want jed fish to succeed because it's such i was like this tire is a complete failure you get an f for making this move like that's kind of that's the guy i'm ready for um yeah I so agree. okay next g6 comes to the mountain west we'll work our way eastward so who who do you have in the mountain west so you I, were I
1: very, you were very subtle with your G six the way that you. I know well that
0: that's why out. we started with the Pac twelve. The yeah,
1: that, was, that was excellent.
0: My like, I didn't I, I
1: didn't even notice until right now our second G
0: six our second G six. So I my in the Pac twelve uh, as much as like my hometown team of the Fresno Bulldogs. I think the team I'm keeping an eye on is Colorado State, um, just because it's very interesting that Norvell Jay Norvell left Nevada to go to Colorado State, a lateral move within the same conference and to see what they, to see what he can do, just cause he built a good thing. So it's curious, almost like a Lincoln Riley situation where it's like, can okay, I want to see how good of a coach you are? Like, can you turn this around in year one with what's there just to like really prove yourself um, mm-hmm. as a coach? So that I, I'm intrigued to watch. And then I feel like Fresno will be fun to watch too, just because it's like, it's Jeff Tedford with a good quarterback, just mm-hmm. as yeah, always. Jake Kaner's going to be fun. And so Tedford with Tedford with Jake Hainer is going to be, uh, is going to be entertaining to watch.
1: Uh, For me, it's Utah state. Like if I take out the hate that I have for the Aggies, which is very real. If I take that away, they're a pretty fun football team to watch. They don't play a lot of defense. They score a ton of points and they've got a, a pretty good quarterback and a fun coach, an interesting offense. Utah state is probably a fun TV game. It's just it's Utah State. So for BYU fans, you could watch them and 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 hate them while you watch.
0: I need to see. So I um I actually took I put money down on the over for Utah State this season. Because it yeah, because like, it's
1: low. It's like seven and a half or something.
0: Yeah, it was um it was low and it yeah it was. I think I got it at six and a half. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, because let me run down my list of over. So I took Arizona over two and a half, Baylor over seven and a half, Cincinnati over nine, uh, Houston over eight and a half, Tulane over six and a half, Charlotte four and a half, Utah State, yeah, over six and a half.
1: Like, yeah, it, it feels like that feels like free money, right? Because they they open up the season with Yukon, then they go to Alabama. So Alabama's a loss, but they've got UConn, they've got Weber, they've got UNLV in september so those and then byu so they play alabama byu two ranked teams but those other three games those are three easy wins right so
0: and then so they need to scratch four games out of the remainder
1: yeah so they've got to figure out four wins out of air force colorado state air force is going to be solid colorado state you just talked about it who knows with norvell wyoming bad new mexico bad hawaii bad san jose state Kind of bad, and then Boise State. I yeah. think they've got those wins there as so. long
0: as Bonner. I feel like if you bet on a regular season total and their starting quarterback gets hurt, you should just get a refund. Like, <laughs> did you? I did It's stupid because if Bonner goes down, like against Bama, he gets the living crap knocked out of him. Uh, in they actually have a pretty good
1: quarterback though. Because remember, they did the weird tradesies that. I can't remember what's his name. Bonner's backup transferred to Wyoming, and Wyoming's starter transferred
0: to Utah State. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and he uh, was pretty okay, but he'll play behind Bonner. So yeah, I don't. Um, so I think that I I do like that, but yeah, I I really like that six and a half over. I just don't see. I think Anderson's a good coach, and I don't see how, as long as with the returning quarterback, you regress that much. Even though you did lose a lot on defense, I think. I okay in the mid-american conference this is really this is really stretching the uh there's
1: there's not anybody who jumps out as like they're going to be really good this year in the mac i think i just go with toledo by default because they're usually fun and they have the best coach in the conference
0: they do have the best coach in the conference um you do i mean you don't want to watch uh you, uh, you're not curious about how Jim McElwain is going to be in his third season at Central Michigan? No, no, I've never been curious <laughs> do, about Jim he, McElwain. He looks like a cartoon squirrel. He's just a Yeah, pretty... <laughs> he does. He,
1: he is a mascot. He's not a he, coach. He is the yeah. mascot of Central Michigan. Um, but he kind of looks like what I imagine a Chippewa, like I know it's a Native American thing, and so whatever, but like a Chippewa caricature mascot. Jim McElwain kind of gets that bill to me in my head I don't know I, um, I, don't
0: know I, I would probably I would say um, either, yeah, either Toledo or Kent State I and mean, Kent State's head coach is Sean Lewis he's like one of the youngest head coaches in the country um, mm-hmm. like I think he was like 31 or something when he got hired like yeah he finished playing at Wisconsin in 2007 um, but he is off of the um, oh, what is, what's his name he's off of like the Dino Babers Tree. So he was at Bowling Green, went with him and was the head the OC at Syracuse, and has been at Kent State since 2018. They went seven and seven last year, lost in the conference championship, and then a um, lot so their bowl game, but it's they're going to put up a lot of points. Like he's got a good quarterback coming back. And um, but yeah, it's those two will have the most fun offenses to watch. So if you're going to tune in on a Tuesday night, it's either got to be Toledo or Kent State. Let's do a conference USA. This is a weird one. So it's, conference say it just feels so bad. You talk about the pack dying, then it's like, look at this, where you've got, you had three teams leave. They announced that they were going to leave next year. And then in May, they said, just kidding, we're leaving in six weeks. We know you don't have enough money to sue us to make a stay. So after the conference had already released their season football schedule. Um, but I, my team, to watch in conference usa um i am interested to see what uab does just because bill clark retired um he had a lot of health issues and so he retired they have to name an interim coach and then really seeing if utsa can keep it going and keep doing what they did last year obviously they went 11 and one last year in the regular season can they keep it up um, and keep it rolling this year under jeff trailer
1: yeah that conference sucks man conference usa's (laughs) got nobody left like i had to google who's left and i don't know north texas because i like their color scheme probably the mean green and the mean green have picked up some good recruiting talent they sucked all the ass on the field but they they've recruited well so they should be a little bit better i don't know north texas
0: the have you seen a real
1: sophisticated answer there i mean
0: they have you seen their uh they always have like those mugs that they sell that are that just say unt on them and so the handle of the mug is a c um we're we're gonna have to put the explicit label on this show yes the so yeah i think north texas is interesting because that's another one a very prime example of like if you're a coach like taking your shot when you have a chance because Seth Luttrell went from his name being in just about every P- major P5 job he supposedly turned down a few offers because like for mid-level P5s because he's like I want to do one or two more years so then I can go to the top and like I'm going to prove and then now they've had multiple since Mason Fine left they've had multiple losing seasons and he is on the brink of getting fired from North Texas so yeah wild rough situation uh the Sun Belt.
1: Hold on, Let me. Let me Google who's in the Sun Belt this year.
0: Sunbelt. I mean, Conference. you just gotta remember, same as last year. Then they added, uh, they added four teams. So Old Dominion, Southern Miss, Marshall, and James Madison. I think. Yeah, Mitchell.
1: that's who I was kind of looking at. There's James Madison. Not I, well. I'm curious of two things when I look at what I see in. I'm curious of three things. I'm curious to see if Coastal Carolina just falls off the face of the earth. I, mean, I don't they, still, get they still I have don't Grayson, get it.
0: They still have Grayson McCall, so until he graduates, they're going to be I happy. don't get it with Grayson McCall. Like, is he that good?
1: Because I don't get it. But whatever. What I'm curious about is James Madison, because they were a powerhouse at the FCS level, and it's not like they're going into the SEC, right? So they should be able to compete with the with the Sun Belt on any given week but can they do it on every week? We'll see. So I'm really excited to see uh, what happens there. And then Texas state. I'm really excited to see Texas state because they have just tried to do things so differently than anybody else. It has not been, it has
0: not been working. It hasn't,
1: but SPAB's always got something crazy to try at Texas state He's fun to watch. I don't know if they're gonna win any football games. But if you guys don't remember, Texas State, what was that weird formation that they showed BYU when they came out? Like the linemen's were the they linemen were, were all flexed out. Like yeah, they tied. had like just
0: the center and were doing trying to do some quick weird stuff. And the yeah, actually that after, same
1: year he recruited nobody.
0: He did not sign a single high school player. It was yeah. everyone was JUCO or transfers. So it's weird, man. But like spab's fun to watch. Um, so I think I do like the Texas state fake. I am interested in James Madison for the same reason, like, just cause it's been a while since a team, like well, good team came up. Right. So like app state won eight of their last 10 conference championships yeah. when they were in the SOCON and then like, they had multiple, you know, they had won two or three back to back, back, um, the uh, national FCS national championships, and then they moved up. So it's like that is like, they moved up in their first season in FBS, they went seven and five. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious, like, what does James Madison do? And, you know, can, are they going to be similar? Um, I'm curious to see what Marshall does, because Marshall has kind of like, they've consistently probably been the, one of the best teams in Conference USA, but then it's always kind of like, last year's like, well, how, how really good is Conference USA? And how good is the Sun Belt since they don't play each other a lot? Because those Leagues. like last year app and Marshall played each other and everyone was like this is the best G5 matchup ever but you don't get a lot of like you don't get a lot of really good G5 matchups because most of those schools are taking as many buy games as they they're gonna try to get their non-conference schedule they want three buy games and a like they want two buy games a crappy G5 game and right. then like a and then an FCS game so you don't really get those premier things so I think it is interesting like just having those three teams come in and kind of see like Obviously, it's not the exact same teams as they were last year, but it's like it's the closest you're going to get to comparing how good are these two leagues without doing some type of multi-game scheduling between them. Um, and then last, the American. I, I for think me it's got to be Houston. I want to see, like. See, and, and I'm going in a
1: different direction, but I agree. Houston should be. Houston has the potential to be what UCF was a few years ago. What, well, Cincinnati? Maybe not quite what they were last year, but what like they were year, the year before.
0: What, they went 11-1 and one in the regular season. They blew a lead against Texas Tech in week one and then rattled off 11 straight until they lost in the conference championship yeah. game. And they returned most of their team.
1: So yeah. they're
0: going to be damn good. I think they're probably going to be the G5 New Year 6 representative. Unless yeah, there's a unless something
1: that goes, goes wrong, right? Uh, for me, it's USF because their story is interesting going into the year. And maybe it's because I've been paying attention to their story, given that it's BYU's opening opponent. Uh, but I'm excited to see what they do. They they took a risk in adding uh, Jerry Bohannon and kicking Timmy McLean to the curb. It's probably the right move right now. But Timmy McLean might have been better than Bohannon if he was able to start for a full year. And maybe. Come November, you'd rather have McLean than Bohannon. Or if yeah. Bohannon get, go, gets hurt, then what happens, right? So I'm, I'm kind of anxious to see USF. They have returned a ton of production. I, BYU is number one in returning production by most metrics. USF's right there at number two or number three by just about every metric. I mean, they yeah. return a ton. They didn't win a lot of games, but they return a ton of production. It reminds me a little bit of BYU in 2017 going into BYU 2018. It's different because Bohannon is a transfer portal guy and Zach Wilson was a, a high school guy. But beyond that, there's a lot of similarities in that BYU had a really crappy 2017. They brought back a ton of, re- of production and they added a new quarterback into the mix, took a risk by benching Mangum and putting in Zach, and it panned out. Now, BYU still wasn't great in 2018. What were They finished, what, seven and six that year? Uh, So it wasn't like it was some phenomenal football season, but you could see the pieces coming together. And that BYU team was dangerous when they put it all together. They just weren't very consistent. I see a lot of those same similarities with USF, and I think they'll be fun to follow throughout the year.
0: I think so too. I also, I am interested to see Tulane and what they do because I feel like Willie Fritz, I mean, he was successful everywhere he went. And it's like, I want to see if he can put it together. I mean, he's in year three with the same starting quarterback. So it's like, Mm -hmm. if there's no development there, then I think even though it's also, I don't know, the, if you listen, if you're a split zone duo listener, they, if you like pay on their, through their Patreon, um, on their private thing, they've started doing a series that they called like, I think they call it Dead Letters. And they like the first two ones, it's like one was on Tulane and the other was on Nebraska. And just like the history of these programs that used to be good and now they are not and what happened and where it changed. And so Tulane is a very interesting program that it's like, it's very interesting. It's like, are you going to be fine with just being like a seven and five? You're happy with that? Or are they going to, if they are seven and five again, is Willie Fritz going to get canned and they start to reach for a bit more and kind of flirting with that? Like, oh man, well, you went seven and five in Tulane and that wasn't good enough. And then, then you fired the guy. So why would I want to walk into that situation type of thing? Um, yeah. I I think I like the US, Houston and USF. I like both of those picks. Um, Okay, now into the G4. So we will start, let's start with the Big 10, given their news yesterday.
1: Yeah, big news yesterday, billions and billions. I wrote a little bit about that today in our newsletter. Um, You've been working hard. I don't know if you had a chance to read it, but it seemed like something- you would write, not I would write. Well, and
0: on Wednesday, mine seemed like something you would write and not what I would write. So We've had
1: some role reversal this week, so kind of interesting. Uh, The Big Ten, you guys know this about me. I'm a closet Ohio State fan, and I'm excited to see Ohio State rebound. I love Ohio Mm -hmm. State. I really like Ohio State. I think I'm ready to say it. I'm ready to publicly say it out loud. Ohio State is my second favorite college football team.
0: Okay. I mean, I will uh, I will love you and support you in that endeavor. And it's Thank not you. your first, so it's fine. Like, you can root for, if you want to pick your backup team and have it be a blue blood, so that way you actually have someone who wins and doesn't let you down all the time, more power to yeah. you. Yep. And because of that, I hate everybody else in the Big Ten. No. I mean, you have to. Um, I think I... Ohio State about like seeing what CJ Stroud does because I mean he he was good, right? Mm-hmm. Like he was mm-hmm. good last year, but he really came on to the end of the year. I mean, like if you look at every single, thing, like he's the leader in the clubhouse to win the Heisman. He's like the, has the best odds better than Bryce Young, and mm-hmm. um, so I think it is. And Mar- Marvin Harrison Jr. is unreal. And Marvin Harrison Jr. is unreal. So it's there. There's a lot. So I am curious. I will not be watching them, but I am curious to see how Greg Shiano does in year three at Rutgers. He Ooh. took them to a bowl game last year. I know they're respectable again. they they may win like seven games this year, which would be an absolute miracle for them. And so I you know I'm curious to see what he does, but yeah, other than that, like I, other than that, I think the only uh, – I would probably – I mean, I'm going to watch Ohio State because they, like, they're like playing Notre Dame week one. They're going to yeah. steamroll everybody on their way to the National Championship. Like, Ryan Day's offense is really fun to watch. Like, I don't – I don't care. Yeah. The Harbaugh stick, I'm over it. I don't care about Michigan. Yep, yeah, I'm there. I'm with Bill you. T- Mel Tucker's Michigan State after getting that big old extension. Me. Like, yeah, I don't care. I'm tired of rowing the boat rowing
1: the boat is oh, awful. Minnesota can die. Wisconsin's the same. Like you you already know what Wisconsin's going to do. They're going to be in the top 20. Then they're going to lose to like Iowa and Ohio same State. Same with Penn
0: State and James Franklin. That's so what they're going to do.
1: And there's something about watching Ohio State too. Games that are televised at the horseshoe look really good on TV. I don't know what it is, but the the TV experience of Ohio State games at columbus it's different it looks different watch you could see it on highlights go look at youtube and just watch ohio state highlights and they'll flash from obviously their home games to their road games there's something about those games there i don't know if it's because ohio's just like always cloudy and so you get like the grass just pops and everything else is kind of a dull background i don't know if it's like the way that cameras are positioned i don't know what it is but there's something about a home game at horse at the horseshoe in Columbus that looks really good on TV and
0: it makes the game day experience fun. Yeah. Um, the I I've never been to a game there, but I mean I did go when they lost like 38 to zero or whatever to Clemson in the semi in the Viestable. Mm-hmm, and like yeah. seeing their band, like the script Ohio with the dude stepping out on there, like oh, it's, it's it's cool. It is everything that makes college football wonderful. Yeah. So I, 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 yeah, I can't blame you there. And but it's like Illinois, Indiana, Northwestern. The, the Purdue.
1: Big Ten just has so many teams that are just so boring.
0: It's just it, it's weird because it's like they have they kill it in the TV ratings, and it's everything. I mean, it's really just they have those big brands at the top, and then everybody else but they are they more than well, and them in the sec are like so wrapped up into the like the identity of their conference that it's like yeah it's, weird. It, it's like all of the ohio state fans will tune into the random northwestern purdue game because it's part of their league and it's like so they just have so many big brands at the top that it's like they add to everything at the bottom and yeah i don't i don't really uh i don't yeah other than ohio state i just don't care um well next we'll go to let's go to the acc
1: um, I mean this feels like a cop-out answer, but I, I'm really curious to see if Clemson figures it out and gets back. If I if I did took under
0: under 10 and a half on yeah, I, I
1: just don't I think Dabo's magic is run out, right? Like and I think that losing uh, Brett Venables is gonna be a lot bigger of a loss than than what most people realize. So I'm curious to see how that pans out. And then I'm also kind of curious, maybe even more curious than I was when Bronco was still at Virginia to see what Virginia does Uh, because that's a team that needs talent, right? To compete in the ACC. And Bronco didn't, he didn't recruit like most ACC schools do. Uh, So Virginia, Virginia is really interesting um, to see if, I don't know to just kind of see what
0: Bronco left. I'm curious do, about that. But uh, Doctor Bob and Jason Beck and now Micah Simon at Syracuse, uh, and Coy Detmer Jr. Oh, I didn't realize he was up there too.
1: Yeah, there's a bunch yeah. of them. Um, I guess I just hate for the same reason that I love like the opposite, but same idea of why I love Ohio State on TV.
0: Games at the Carrier Dome are terrible. The lighting is awful. It looks weird, yeah, and the turf ugh. looks like crap. Um, right. so I think. In the ACC, so I am interested in Clemson, just seeing like how long is DJ DJU's leash before he yeah. gets sat. Um, yep. And also, I mean, now it's like, yes, lost Venables, lost the offensive coordinators too. It's like, there's, Davos had to basically retool his entire staff in the last couple of years. And it's so funny. I remember people in like the 2018 season, like arguing about like, or 2019 season, like, oh, is Clemson, is as like Dabo is the best coach now and it's like he's on par with Saban and uh the last few seasons have proven that not only is that not true Saban is approaching untouchable no coach will ever be as good as him levels yeah he's unreal and it's really just because I mean you look at Alabama in like 2013 like look at Derrick Henry Alabama and look at Alabama now, and it's like they are playing a completely different game. And obviously, yeah. it's Saban is just because he's like recruiting and he has so much talent. But but it's he's not like most coaches get so dogmatic and like this is the way I run things and this is what we do and this is the system I'm familiar with that works. And he's just like I don't care, just wants to win.
1: It's true, and we talk about Dabo having to replace his office because his coaching staff. Saban does that every year. Right. Like he's always replacing coordinators and he just keeps doing his thing.
0: and um, yeah, so it's because he last year well speaking of Virginia, right? It's they Virginia hired uh Tony Scott, who was Clemson's offensive coordinator, or Tony Elliott, who was Clemson's offensive coordinator. Um, and then it was a Jeff Scott, I believe he was the head coach in mm-hmm. USF. And he was also he was Clemson's offensive coordinator, like co-coordinator with him and then he left so it it will be interesting to see um what happens because that's he's got new coordinators both sides of the ball now and i believe he just promoted from within so and and
1: venables have been there for a million years so it's it's different it's not like replacing a guy who who was there for two or three years venables has been there for a decade i mean he's he was Dabo's right hand guy so it's
0: it's change um okay now you got the sec uh florida Florida, Billy. Okay, Napier, after man. week one,
1: <laughs> still Florida, <laughs> Billy Napier. I, I, I'm excited to see what he does. Uh, Florida is Florida's that team that should be really good, should be really really good every year. They have a ton of talent on that roster, even with their their attrition. They have a ton of talent. If they have a coach who could come in and just kind of put pieces together, I don't know that they're gonna win the SEC but they should be one of the tougher, better teams in college football. So I'm excited to see that. And then I'm excited to see Jimbo Jimbo at Texas A&M Jimbo brought more attention to himself. He signed the number one recruiting class. He did some things that Jimbo doesn't typically do in the off season and, and how is Texas A&M going to respond as a result? This is kind of a put up or shut up year for Jimbo and Texas A&M. Um, did you know though? Did you know that Jimbo Fisher at this point in his Texas AM career has the exact same number of wins as Kevin Sumlin
0: did at that point during his Texas I AM? Did not know that. And that it's, is it's the same. Interesting to say the, co- the for cost the least. per
1: win is like two and a half times more. So is Jimbo gonna get it turned around if he doesn't this year? Uh history says that Kevin Sumlin got fired. Is Jimbo seat getting
0: hot? Some kind of a, kind of a anxious to see that yeah that is that is interesting for sure i don't i didn't realize that uh it was that that uh people forget how good
1: someone started out right like he had johnny football and they were really good and so the trajectory is different like because because jimbo is ramping up where someone was trending down but at the end, like the five-year product looks pretty much the same.
0: Yeah. It's, you mean, it's the fact that it's like identical, literally down to the game. I also think with Jimbo, it's like how there has never, since they started doing recruiting ranking, there has not been a number one class that did not win at least one national championship. Right. And so I it's yeah this is it feels like they are spending a lot of money and they're getting a lot of talent so it's like are they going to actually put a good quarterback on the field that can take him to a national championship I think in the SEC I'm really excited to see what what happens in Oxford and what Lane Kiffin can dial up this year after with our guy draft.
1: Jay Dart friend of the program it's easy to forget that before he was him Jackson Dart was joining us like give him hell Brigham
0: it's true. I he still is mildly dead to me, but if he if uh, he wins, if he wins the starting job, and I will watch them play with great amusement because um, Lane Kiffin is just his teams are fun to watch. Like it just is the way it is. Did you see? Welcome the to the come to
1: the sip. Did you see the TikTok of his daughter? No, with the baby. No. <laughs> so- his daughter has a picture of this ugly baby and it's an ugly baby that they're related to somehow and she's on facetime with whoever is the mother of this baby and she walks into lane's office and is like dad look at look at so-and-so's baby and lane looks at it and his face gets like scrunched up and is like what is that and then she has to like hurry and like whisper that's so-and-so's baby and then Lane's like, "Oh, it's so cute.
0: <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. There's all babies. Most babies are really weird until they're looking until they're a month old. Oh like, yeah. I mean, you you've been squished up sitting in the bathtub for nine months. Like, you ain't gonna be pretty <laughs> when you come out. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then lastly, our future conference, the Big Twelve. Texas so named Quinn Ewers the starting quarterback. Say, I honestly, I just do not get the Quinn Ewers hype. Like we're basing literally everything off of his sophomore year of high school because he got hurt and barely played as a junior. Then he reclassed and redshirted, like left high school after his junior year, redshirted last year at Ohio State and then transferred to Texas. Like he seems like, I don't know. He seems like he has like the... Like he's, he seems very Tate Martelli to me. Yeah, yeah. Like where it's he's yeah, like he's got he's got a weird throwing motion and just like his ego, like he's into being QB one, not yeah. into football. And so I don't, I don't. They named him the starter over Hudson Card, was that his name? Uh-huh. um They named him the starter, and so we'll see what happens. Hudson Card started. I don't even know who started most of their game. If he started most of their games last year, if what's his face. Uh, the kid who transferred to um Tulsa or wherever I don't remember where that kid transferred um Casey Thomas right um it's you know what is going to like where or Nebraska Casey Thompson transferred to Nebraska Nebraska Tulsa the same difference um so yeah I am interested to see what happens there with Sark but I and mean, Oklahoma is going to be interesting to watch, but Venables is there going from offensive coaches for the last 25 years to a defensive coach. I do not think Dylan Gabriel is it in terms of leading Oklahoma back to the promised land. I'm getting a, like Dylan Gabriel ain't going to get it done for you compared to what you've been used to for the last decade yeah. at QB. So I don't know, maybe Kansas State, you know, call, we're old enough that Colin Klein is the offensive coordinator at Kansas State and Adrian Martinez from Nebraska there that could be fun to watch that could be fun. uh Iowa State's gonna suck again because Brock Purdy's gone and Bryce Hall is gone
1: uh, that was actually I mean that was gonna be my pick I think is is either them or TCU one the post GPAT era that will be a- interesting to watch at TCU Sunny Dykes you know they're gonna put up points and Matt Campbell has Matt Campbell's turned down job after job he you know he was linked to USC type jobs and he turned it down to stay at Iowa State, which is awesome. And, and as you kind of pointed out earlier, that's always a gamble. When you have a really good quarterback and you stick at your school, uh, so much of head coaching success can be directly attributed to quarterback success. And I'm, I'm curious to see how Matt Campbell transitions from the Brock Purdy era.
0: Yeah, I am interested to see kind of Texas Tech does, but so Campbell would be interesting, and I am. I'm. I I think Baylor. I'm interested to see what Baylor does if they can kind of follow up and repeat on last year. I mean, Oklahoma State's got a lot coming back too. It's going to be a really. It's going to be a really fun year um, in the Big Twelve. To Oklahoma State and Baylor, I just. It amazes me that they say Baylor's only like the total seven and a half wins, and I just don't. I mean, they lost some guys, but they still have like the bulk of that defense coming back. There's another team where their starter transferred, right? You, you know, he transferred to US, like, USF, but the guy that they have in, like after spring ball, they're saying the guy who started every game from last year, other than like their conference championship game in the bowl game, mm-hmm. they are saying, oh, we think that guy's better than you. So it's, it's like a gamble. It, it is a gamble, but it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how uh, Dave or... Dave Aranda does and what Jeff Grimes can do with that offense in the new QB. So um,
1: and they they lost Joey Maguire. Like Dave Aranda, yeah. Yeah, Dave Aranda's a little bit of a Bronco guy that it's his defense. But Joey Maguire ran that defense last year. So they should be able to continue. Like Aranda's a genius, but that's something to just keep an eye on. We'll probably find out firsthand what that looks like in week two, but That's something to at least
0: pay attention to yeah um so with that so that is our last conference so that is we've run through everything of who we like in of who we like in each conference and I have a one parting thing is I've seen people you know we are in uh it's computer ranking season okay and this Mm -hmm. is See people complain about a few things. And so I'd I'd want to say my piece to educate the masses here. Okay. Uh, People say it's like, well, it's dumb that they use prior seasons. And I think that's stupid. Okay. Anything they do, they're not doing it just for the hell of it. They did it because they tested their model. And that was how they figured out to make it as accurate as possible. So they're not just doing random things because they can. And also in a preseason, how, what else, if you don't use prior seasons, what else are you supposed to use? And it fades out over the season gone. So they're most volatile the first few weeks of the season. But, and then also the is like, oh, this is sex because this team, this team is way too low. And so this team is way too low. So they, um, so they like this whole thing is, so it's like, okay, I want, I challenge you then to rank 133 teams that only play 12 regular season games. Of those, at most, four of them will be against someone from a different league. So you do, like, you're creating pockets within itself. Like, it's easy to tell ranked teams within a conference because they all play each other. But trying to figure out across of that, when you only have basically four per team and then having one of those games, really, those you're probably playing an FCS team. So really, at most, you have three, sometimes only two games. Like, if you're playing non-conference games, you're playing an FCS games. you have two non-conference FBS games per team to try to sort all this out and rank them. Like, Good luck. Obviously, there's going to be outliers. That's what happens everywhere. But for the most part, it's you know, like they get it directionally, and there's going to be teams that for one reason or another don't like the numbers, they don't love them and they perform better than them, but that doesn't change the fact that it's right for the 95 other percent of the other teams. And lastly, I've seen people like, see, it's bad because it doesn't do well against the spread. That doesn't mean that the model is bad, it means the spread odds makers are really, really good. Like you think, oh, some person, some dude in his you pull in numbers from what's available on ESPN, the limited data that's available on ESPN is making a model is like going to outsmart all of Vegas and all the casinos who have more access to more than anybody else related to everything with sports. Like you want to find out if a starting quarterback gets hurt, go look on Thursday morning and see if their line got pulled down so you can't make a bet on it. They know everything before everybody else. And they try it's to- wild. They try, they're trying to stick a number that will be 50-50. So when something is like, oh, it only does- It's like only got 57% against the spread. Well, one, if you hit 57% against the spread consistently, you're pulling good money compared to your stock portfolio in terms of return. Two, that means the spread makers are doing a really, really good job. And you can look at the prediction tracker. And when you look at that, it's like, that's looking at every game. Anyone who has a model is not like, you don't bet every game. You're only going to bet the games where you have a significant difference one way or the other from what the spread is. And so if you tone down so it's like half of those when it's like if you're dead on and you agree with the spread it's like oh well i said baylor was going to be a one-point favorite and the spread is baylor's a one-point dog like you're not going to drop a bunch of money on like a one-point difference between what you think is going to happen in the spread that's too risky so it's having like picks and comparing a global like everything versus spread is dumb complaining about using prior seasons is dumb complaining about well, this is stupid and it shows their bias because BYU is ranked number 40 in this is dumb. Like, it's all dumb. So just go, don't be that person. Don't be the person in Bill Connolly's mentions every Sunday morning when he releases the new S&P Plus that is out there like saying like, what, you have Penn State at number seven. This thing is trash. Don't be that guy or gal. We have some female listeners too. We see you. Um, Well, we don't, but you know what I mean. Well done. Well, that, I mean, is well, I don't, that is I don't my spiel. I am down for my Remy I don't
1: want to say anything to take you away from the momentum of this soapbox.
0: Amen. So the, that is my spiel. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else. Do you have anything else you would like to share with the world? Uh,
1: the only thing, man, high school football uh Back. debuted last week the ksl red zone show which was a lot of fun it's my sultry voice live on the radio and this week we're doing it it will be simulcast it will be streamed as well so you can look at my beautiful face i'm freshly bald it will be great high school football in the state of utah me and dusty lister who we're going to bring onto the show here soon uh dusty and i are going to go through every game highlights as they have to happen nfl red zone channel style right it's a lot of fun uh high school football is awesome some of what we've lost in college football of that amateurism and playing football for the love of football is it's being rekindled at the high school level yeah it, i mean so find your high school teams folks and if you can't tune in you can kslsports.com you can stream it you can listen online at whatever 1280zone.com or listen to us live if you're here
0: locally on 1280 or 975. That's my spiel. So who which game tonight are you which game tonight are you uh are yeah, you so hitting the most? Or what do you what do you think is the one that people there, need the, to tune in?
1: There are two and, and the answers are like are for different reasons. The the most entertaining game locally. It's going to be Corner Canyon at Bishop Gorman. I mean, Bishop is their powerhouse, right? Gorman is the school in the West, like outside of California. Uh, But Corner has has tried to make themselves that school too. Uh, Obviously, Isaac Wilson. He looked unbelievable in his first start. Uh, Dusty and I talked about it last week. Isaac Wilson is different than Zach Wilson was, than any quarterback maybe ever in the state of Utah that – A lot of Utah's great quarterbacks, you know, dating all the way back to like Jim McMahon, they emerged in their senior year and then became great at college. Isaac Wilson is maybe the most hyped quarterback in the state of Utah ever going into his junior year of high school and how he handles those expectations. uh, That's going to be really fun to watch. This is going to be his toughest test of the year. Uh, and then obviously you could check out Owen Borg as well, who looked really great last year, uh, or last week and last year. Last year, people forget uh, he was in between. He played the, the trio of linebackers that corner trotted out every week was ha- Harrison Taggart, who went to Oregon, Michael Wilson, who went to BYU, and Owen Borg, who was a junior. And Owen Borg led the team in interceptions and in tackles. Like he outplayed Taggart and Wilson both. This kid's for real. He's committed to BYU, so you get to watch him too. Uh, But for BYU fans specifically, Skyline and Springville play. And there's a ton of BYU ties to that game. Obviously, Ryder Burton, quarterback at Springville, committed to BYU. Dallin Johnson is maybe the best lineman that we're not really talking about. He's a 2024 guy at Springville. And then Miles Hall. All that Miles Hall did last week at Skyline was have 10 tackles, an interception, and three touchdown catches for more than th- hundred yards. So if mm-hmm. you want to go see a legit
0: athlete, that's your guy. That is that is our guy. The I think it was interesting. So the uh, the guy that is really surprised is is a, is a proud alumnus of Timpanogos High School. Dude, Luke Livingston can ball. I don't know, like I don't know if you how much you watch him, and it's but they that kid like last year as a sophomore, he had like 1400 receiving yards as a sophomore. And he, he's going to, it'll be interesting to see what they do this year, because I mean, it's historically not been that great of a program, but they, and, but he got some run, like he playing quarterback as well this year. Um, he's going to have to play
1: quarterback. Their starter broke his collarbone last week and no, they that's don't right. have a backup quarterback. Okay. Luke no, is the t- guy.
0: So he's he's getting the Parker Kingston treatment. i I tuned in by the time I tuned in into your show, uh, he you had cut over and he was already taking passes. So I missed that the card starting quarterback. I just thought that they went full Parker Kingston from the get-go. Um, no, yeah,
1: but, quarterback got hurt mid-game. So Luke Livingston, you're absolutely right. Luke Livingston, if he was playing receiver full time. And he still had
0: seven catches for 157 yards and two touchdowns last week. Yeah, he before he, probably, he started playing quarterback,
1: he probably breaks Cody Higgins' single season record for the best receiving year ever in the state of Utah. Now that's not going to happen, he is going to play quarterback, uh, but he's going to be fun to watch.
0: He's for real, and he's still just a junior, yeah. So he he's a fun player to watch. Uh, so that is our episode this is our week it is Friday way late on Friday by the time we're getting this to you Jeff we are only eight days away from Nebraska and Northwestern facing off in Ireland to start our college football season what a stupid stupid game uh I'm here for it though I'm 1000% here for it I will be watching you can also watch a UConn and I'm
1: excited to watch it it's just stupid it's in Ireland.
0: It is stupid as an iron. So the here, let's see, who do we have that week zero? Okay. All the SCC, So we've got uh Nebraska at Northwestern starts off at 1230 Eastern at on Fox. So 9 30 a.m. That's early. Uh Idaho, Austin P at Western Kentucky, Idaho State UNLV, Yukon at Utah State on F4, Eastern FS1, Wyoming, Illinois, yeah Duquesne at Florida State, nah. Charlotte at FAU. That'll be all right. North Texas at UTEP at 9 p.m. on Stadium. That is a truly degenerate game.
1: You got a problem Uh, if you're watching that game.
0: uh, Nevada at New Mexico State on ESPN2 at 10 o'clock. And then the the late night cap, Vanderbilt at Hawaii on CBS Sports. Woof. Like that is (laughs) woof. Um, And then also we got like Stephen F. Austin in Jacksonville State. There's a couple other – like Howard versus Alabama state on ESPN. Cause that's like a kickoff, like an HBCU classic game, whatever. So there's a few games in there, Um, but it's, we're close people. We are so, so, so very close hang in there. And it's, and we're, it's two weeks from tomorrow. We're kicking off in Tampa. So mm-hmm. we are right there. We're getting ready to start doing, we're going to start doing our previews episodes. We have one more episode and then it's preview time. So, oh yeah, we're here. That's it's coming. That, that is it's palpable at this moment. So Jeff, have a good weekend and we will talk to you all next week. And until then, give them hell. Give them hell.